Welcome back to another, and actually the last, episode of Bite-Sized Virtue, an offshoot of Spam 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 Humbug, in which we look at one of the eight virtues of Ultima Lore and connect it to real-world philosophical and theological teachings. Throughout the Christmas season and now kind of, uh, or sorry, throughout the Advent season and now into the Christmas season, we've been looking at the virtue of justice. And while I had initially thought that I would bring this series of episodes to a close at Christmas time, it only took a little bit of reflection to realize that there was a particularly strong point to be made, especially about a virtue such as justice, um, by continuing on to what is called Epiphany in the Catholic liturgical calendar. This is uh, this feast day is officially observed on January 6th, which is hopefully when you're going to be listening to this episode, um, although most North American parishes, at least, and possibly elsewhere in the world, will opt to observe it on the preceding Sunday. But be that as it may, what is the Epiphany? Well, if you take a look at the readings from Scripture that are used for it, you'll notice quickly enough that there's a common theme. Nations shall walk by your light, and kings by your shining radiance, proclaims, proclaims the reading from Isaiah. Dromedaries from Midian and Ephah, all from Sheba, shall come. Meanwhile, Lord, every nation on earth will adore you, proclaims the psalm. The reading from Paul's epistle notes that the Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and co-partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And of course, the reading from the gospels tells the story of the wise men, the Magi, who arrived in Jerusalem from the east and inquired, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising and have come to do him homage. And upon finding the baby in a manger in Bethlehem, they prostrated themselves and did him homage. They opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This despite being non-Jews from probably Babylon. Fun fact, we actually don't know how many magi there were, and nor does scripture state a number. We traditionally speak of the three wise men, the three kings, although they were probably not earthly kings, the kingship they bear is somewhat more metaphorical, because of the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which in turn represent the royalty, divinity, and death of Jesus. Anyways, I, I digress. The point of the epiphany is that Christ isn't just for the Jews, and his promise of salvation is not limited to that one demographic group. He has come for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. Through Christ, salvation and truth are universal. And this is why I decided to carry on the discussion of justice through to this feast day, because that's really a very important and profound idea, one which we should also bear in mind when discussing the idea of justice. Okay, so what's the definition of justice we've been relying on? It hasn't been the Ultima one, the devotion to truth, tempered by love, the wisdom that perceives what is right and what is wrong in human action. But we will get to that in a moment as well. The definition of justice we've been using, real-world definition, is that justice is about giving to each person what is their legitimate due. In its exercise, it confers good not only on the one who acts justly, but on those who are acted upon. Good flows out of one, unto a multitude. And that isn't something which is limited to any one demographic group either. Rather, it too is universal. It doesn't matter who you or I are, or what our station in life is, or where we are in the world. It doesn't even matter if you and I are not necessarily do the same thing or things. Even if we do different ends, even though we are different people, we are nevertheless do those things and should be free to pursue and obtain them. Now, there's a reasonable caveat to draw out here, of course. We aren't do 
uh, necessarily what is a function of our internal desires. We aren't due the fruits of what is immoral or unethical. We are due the goods and rights, powers and property that are the natural ends that proceed from our humanity. Our human nature is made for truth, indeed for capital T, truth. It can be difficult to explain what that is, and actually even more difficult to defend it as any sort of absolute. But, you know, if we think of truth as a kind of telos, uh, which means an end or a, a goal or a reason, we can ask what becomes of us when we lose that telos. And really, it's not a good outcome. Thought has no object, activity has no object, it's just this sort of purposeless craziness, untethered from reason. Likewise, our human nature is made for love in all of its forms. Now, unfortunately, in English, the term love is sort of overbroad. We use that same one term, unlike in some other languages, i.e. Greek, um, to name the romantic and erotic love that exists between spouses, but also to name the fraternal love that exists between family members and friends. And we also use it to name a very different form of love, the highest form of love, which elsewhere in this podcast series I have called caritas. Unlike other forms of love, caritas is non-reciprocal. It is entirely directed outward from an individual. It is by its nature self-giving, with no expectation of or need for reciprocal affection. Ideally, we should really be pursuing both truth and love. If we don't, we tend to find that our nature will, in fact, revolt against it in some day. Consider the rampant social and technical anxiety of the modern world, which in turn can only respond to that angst with the exhortation to remain busy. On the other hand, if we earnestly pursue truth and allow real love to temper us, we become attentive to what is due to others in every circumstance. We become just and we can pour out the goods of justice on others. Well, thank you again for listening to another episode of Bite-Sized Virtue, which I hope you've enjoyed. I hope you found this episode and really this whole series enlightening, and that you'll join me again in a couple of months' time when the Lenten season starts. Then we'll look at another of the eight virtues of ultimate lore, uh, which one I haven't really decided yet, and connect it to real-world philosophical and theological teachings as we approach Easter. And if you're wondering where Spam 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 Humbug went, fret not, it'll be back next week. I'll see you then.